Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Pocket Lint Podcast. Coming up on the new and improved Pocket Lint Podcast, we'll be discussing the return of GoldenEye 007 to consoles a mere 26 years after its N64 debut. We'll chat about Apple's Reality Pro mixed reality headset. Is it really going to cost 3000 bucks? And we'll delve into the numerous Samsung Galaxy S23 and Galaxy Book rumours ahead of next week's Unpacked Unveiling. Oh, and we'll also reveal the Pocket Lint team's product or products of the week. The devices, gadgets, TV show or games that have piqued our interest the most. Well, that was quite dramatic. I'm Rick Henderson and joining me for this latest episode of the Pocket Lint podcast are Chris Hall and Britta O'Boyle, the editorial director and deputy editor of thepocketlint.com respectively. How are you both doing? Good, thanks. Good, thank you. Great music. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it scared me. But uh, I think it worked. Let's get on with the news. Our first story is something that seems to have hit the headlines regularly since the late 90s, with the numerous legal issues that have plagued the re-release of the N64 classic GoldenEye 007 finally having been resolved. It's coming to Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One and Nintendo Switch on Friday the 27th of January and I couldn't be happier. How about you, Chris? I couldn't be happier either because I absolutely loved it. But I do wonder if I'm going to be disappointed that the world is now completely different. I'm not a student. I'm not going to be playing it at 3am eating pizza. Uh, (laughs) Or maybe I will. Maybe I will. I don't know. Well, it's coming to um, to give a bit of background. It's coming to Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack and get Xbox Game Pass. Um, the Xbox version is going to be a 4K remaster as well, which is especially exciting because it will look probably brilliant. <laughs> when to give it some context, I used to play this on a 20-inch CRT, so a tiny little television when I had it plugged into the N64, that version surely isn't going to look that great on a 65-inch OLED, is it? (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be interesting because we used to play this four-player split screen, I believe, divided into quarters. So, yeah. um, Do do you know if you'll be able to play multiplayer online? Yes, I understand that that has been added to the game, um, that there will be this opportunity to actually play it online for the first time ever and uh, everybody will just try and be odd job, surely, because that was the cheat. <laughs> that was the cheat code. I wonder if all the cheat codes will still work. That would be pretty good if they did. I, I don't odd know job I was always the that. one because cause odd job was shorter than any other character, so every so you couldn't hit him as well because he was smaller. But so they, everybody just also, wanted to be odd job. 
Goldeneye was also the, I think it was the origin of the massive heads as well. So you could put in a code yeah. so that everyone had a massive head and then run around trying to shoot each other with a golden gun and things like that. Oh, the golden gun was the favourite bit. The mad dash for the golden gun. One yeah. shot, dead. It's oh, it was just, brilliant. Yeah. So many fond memories. Um, Britta, if I said Goldeneye <laughs> 007 to you, what would you say? Um, I think I might be washing my hair that day. <laughs> well, no, to be fair, I do remember the original, and I did have an N sixty four. But I, I think there might be some more exciting things for me this week, other than that coming out. To be honest, but hey, uh, you know. Well, we'll come to one of them, which is the second news story of the week, which is uh, now onto Apple's mixed reality headset which has also seemingly been speculated on for what seems like years. And my big question for you, Britt, is will we finally get it to see it unveiled this year? And if so, when do you think that might be? I think if we see it this year, it will be towards the end of the year, latter part of the year. Not WWDC? I don't know. They might maybe announce software for it there, because typically that happens, doesn't, doesn't yeah. it? They sort of release how, what the software is going to involve so that then developers can develop for it so it's po- i guess it's possible that they could potentially give like a sneak preview of it at dub dub and then give you give time for developers to develop for it and therefore launch a proper product towards the latter part of the year but i mean this has been rumored for quite a long time now so i'm not gonna lie i probably am not gonna hold all my hopes up for that just yet <laughs> Well, one of the biggest rumours of recent times is the price. And I'm going to come to Chris about the price because it seems ludicrous. It's $3,000 is what's being bandied around for a rea- for essentially an AR, VR headset that will be comparable, I think, to other things on the market. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think the, the price seems to be a problem to me because it's just... Even though you expect there to be some price inflation for for Apple stuff, I don't think you can afford to go that high because you immediately kill the kill the market. Who's who's going to buy it? It's going to be such a small subset of people that developers will just say, "Well, it's not worth developing for it because it's it's far too expensive." So, I don't really believe the price. I don't see how they could justify that kind of price. Half of that, you know, come down to half that price, fifteen hundred dollars. I could see that happening. Um, bearing in mind that's about the same price as a MacBook Pro or something like that. I mean, people were talking about PSVR 2 costing the same amount as a PlayStation 5 console and saying that's expensive, but this would be around about three, this would be three times the price of that if it was $1,500. You know, it's, um, yeah, I just can't, I can't see it working at that price. There is rumors of a, a cheaper version coming afterwards. So, Maybe, Britt, this is more for shops and and commercial use rather than actual consumers, do you think? I mean, that would be the only real way you could justify that, I think, because I know people will pay for Apple's stuff, but 3000 is a lot of money to be parting with. And, you know, if you can, if you can get a new MacBook Pro for sort of a third of that or... Yeah. You know, two thirds, I suppose, actually. But even so, that's that's a lot of you're getting a lot for that. You can do a lot with it. Whereas this, you're you're asking people to pay a lot of money for what's essentially going to be something that you're not going to use anywhere near as much as you'd use a laptop. Do you know what I mean? So it's a lot of money. 
a lot. Unless they're going to um, take the same sort of path as as Microsoft did uh, when they came up with their, you know, hollow headset thing. Um, and I believe that they first pushed that out to developers. And, and it yeah. was very expensive for that kind of development kit. So maybe what we're looking here looking at here is mixed messages where it's going to go out to developers. They're going to have to buy the sort of reference development kits and then a consumer product is going to follow on a little bit later down the line because this is Apple. They're going to want it to be mass market. They're going to want to sell it to the same people who are buying iPhones. So making it twice the price of an iPhone is it's not going to work. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, and, like, and like you both say, getting people to develop for it um, at that price when they know that consumers are not going to be able to touch it. Um, I do remember going to see the first generation HoloLens with, with Microsoft at um, in San Francisco many years ago and asked them about it. And they said they didn't expect it to go into consumer hands for a good five to 10 years. It really was an early product. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's what Apple were planning. Um, but the rumours just won't go away. <laughs> <laughs> they, they really won't. They're, they're really ramping up. Um, finally, in the news, Samsung. Whee, Samsung. Yeah, unless you've been living in a cave for the last few months, you'll have realised that Samsung is about to host its latest Galaxy Unpacked presentation event on 1st of February. And we fully expect to see a Samsung Galaxy S23, S23 Plus, and S23 Ultra. However, that won't be all. There are rumours that there'll be several Samsung Galaxy Book 3 models unveiled there too. Chris, considering how much has been splurged online about both families of devices, do you think there'll be any reason to actually watch them unpacked? Will there be a, well, <laughs> will there be any surprises, do you think? It's a little bit cruel. I mean, if you're waiting for these things to launch, then you it's, it's probably going to be worth an hour of your time to tune in and see exactly what happens. Because some of these things in the past have been weird to the point of being entertaining um yeah. some of them have been just full-on specs really fast some of them some of them have had you know groups of people dancing around sharing music playing around a virtual house like it's some kind of like queen video or i was something. there i was at that one um, in new york <laughs> it was like done so, like a musical so it, yeah it might be it, it it's probably going to be worth tuning in but I, if you're following the rumors i don't think there will be many surprises um, it's been a while since we've seen many surprises and Samsung seems to be a particularly leaky ship at the moment. So, yeah, I'm not expecting anything unexpected. Uh, Britta, uh, Samsung was also revealed recently to be the um, the highest, um, uh, the biggest phone manufacturer in the world. They now sell more phones than anybody else. Um, do you think there's a lot of buzz around the Samsung Galaxy S23? more considering it seems to be only an iterative upgrade i think there's probably less buzz around this series than there is on around their foldables um because typically i mean in the past the the galaxy s series has been quite um exciting and interesting and things but the rumors do suggest that there's not going to be a great deal of differences between the old models and the new models so I guess it depends on where you are in your upgrade cycle as to how interesting it will be for you and I think I mean I can see why they're the biggest phone manufacturer because they do a lot of different phones and they appeal they, they're, they're across yeah. the entire market they've got a lot of they they appeal to pretty much most um, price points really 
and the A devices were excellent as well, some of them. So you can you can see why they have gained that title. Um, I do think, I mean, the, the Galaxy S series typically does um, feed into the foldables as well. So what the the cameras that we might see appear on the Galaxy S23 Ultra may then appear on the Galaxy yeah. Fold as well. So for that, I think that it could be quite exciting because they they will show what could potentially happen in a couple of months' time and some of the more exciting devices, perhaps. And also, it is their flagship range, right? So especially for those who wanted a note, they now have to go to the S23 or Ultra instead. So I think for some people, it, yes, it, it definitely carries some buzz, but perhaps not as much as their foldables because they're a little bit different compared to your usual. Uh, do you also think that we might see something different there something like a galaxy watch perhaps i think because the galaxy watch models launched in august they're quite recent and therefore i think that it i think i don't think they'll appear at unpack this year i think i think we're just gonna i think it'll just be the phones and the rumored laptops as well you know what i'm really hoping for I'm hoping for it to last just about 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> There's no chance of that. Well, yeah, I like that. <laughs> but on um, that note, there is something, I, the reason I would say to watch Unpacked is that actually, even if you already know the specs because the spec sheets have leaked and whilst they might not be accurate, they looked pretty, pretty good. Um <laughs> They might they might show off some of the features that the phones might come with, which actually none of the rumors have said yet. So we don't actually know what features, what new features they might add. Yeah. So whilst there might not be upgrades in terms of resolutions and stuff, there might be some other features that might be more exciting. So um, for that, I'd say it's worth watching unpack because they probably go into a bit of detail into what the new phones are actually capable of and stuff. So if you're going to buy one, then it's useful to know these things. For sure. It'd be nice to see. Uh, some of the samples of the 200 megapixel sensor that they're going to be yeah. putting in the Ultra as well. Okay, so that's it for the news. In the future, we'll be interviewing the great and good of the tech industry for this new and improved Pocket In podcast. However, while we've got a few lined up for forthcoming episodes, you'll just have to put up with us this week. <laughs> Never fear, though, because it's time for some more tech treats, thanks to another new feature that we like to call the Pocket Lint Product of the Week. Each episode, the Pocket Lint team will choose a product or products that have particularly caught our eyes, whether that be something we've reviewed on PocketLint.com or something we're particularly looking forward to. So that being said, what's the Pocket Lint product of the week this week? Whatever it is, it won't be worth that build up. <laughs> I think as it's the first of our new style podcast, we each get to choose a product that has tickled our fancy this week. So, Britta, we'll start with you. What's your product of the week? My product of the week is the Apple MacBook Pro that I had the pleasure of reviewing this week. Um, it's excellent, very powerful machine, which um, I definitely was not capable of testing to its full capacity. For sure. But from what I did test of it, I thought it was um, amazing. Very fast. Um, lovely machine. Works really which, well. um, which M2 silicon did it have in that specific one? So the one that I was reviewing had the M2 Max, 64 gig of RAM. Wow. Um, or unified memory, as they like to call it. Um, and yeah, so powerhouse of a 
of a computer. And I actually came from the MacBook Air M2. So um, I would say between the, between the two, I actually really like them both. The Air is lighter and easier yeah. to sort of carry around and stuff. But the, but the, the MacBook Pro is rapid and definitely does things rather quickly, um, which is great. Yeah, it looks, also looks pretty. So you know, <laughs> have they? Does it still have one of those Touch ID bars or or? Uh... No, so they they got rid of that. So there, it's um full row, full height function keys again, um, which I believe was the same on the M1 Pro and Max models from 2021 as well. Um, but you get Touch ID in the top right corner, so that's yeah. useful which is obviously help, helpful for like Apple Pay and things like that and uh, unlocking and um, things. But it's, um, but yeah, you get, you also get ports again, uh, which it was again, same in the 2021 models. They did reintroduce the ports, but it is nice to see. And for those people that use SD cards, photographers and whatnot, they are, it's very useful to not have to carry around a dongle everywhere <laughs> because, yeah. you know, those dongles are a bit of a pain. <laughs> um so it is that has been something that i've really appreciated on this model compared to the m2 air because actually i had to carry around dongles for that when i went to ces so it's it's definitely nice that you don't have to do that so i'm appreciating that at the moment what market do you think it's aimed at the new macbook pro it's tricky i think because for for me, I don't for for me your general the general user I would that doesn't need to do anything too sort of intensive. I would say that the the MacBook Air is more than adequate for that because that's also a very quick machine, great machine. But I would say that content creators, anyone that's video editing, things like that, I definitely would say that they would probably be more likely to pick the MacBook Pro, especially because you get the fans, obviously, which helps with the more labor intensive tasks but I do I mean they're, they're not cheap they're like they start yeah. at nearly two thousand pounds or two thousand dollars so you are you are talking some serious bucks really and when you hit the highest sort of spec models which are insane like I think there's like 96 gig of memory and eight terabytes of storage stuff like that like it, it's like fully spec machine and you're talking like over six thousand for those which so, is yeah you might as well match it with an Apple mixed reality headset. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you could spend you could spend ten grand in a couple of minutes there, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Easily, easily. Um, so for so, I'd say that you would need to be you'd need to be someone that does do something like that in order to justify. I would say, but then you know, my dad loves the MacBook Pro, and he definitely doesn't do anything that requires it. So. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it depends on the kind of person you are, how much money you've got to spend. And I mean, the speakers are excellent compared to. And it'll last a fair while. I mean, if you're going to buy it at that kind of spec, it's going to last a while. I'm still using a 2015 iMac and it still works perfectly well. Yeah, I'm the same. I've got an old iMac and it's fine. So at least you get the the years out of it if you're going to spend the money and stuff. But yeah. I would say if you've got, if you're someone that's got the 2021 models, the M1 Pro or the M1 Max, I'm not convinced that you would need the to spend the money to upgrade because yeah. I would imagine that machine is still more than capable. I would say that for those running sort of the later models, like Intel models, maybe they would appreciate the the upgrading speed that it provides. This this also might be something that uh, Chris 
agrees with because we're going to move on to his product of the week, which I understand is another Apple product. Well, it could be. Um, I've been using the Mac Mini, but I thought that I may, may change to the Surface Pro 9. Ah. If, if you'll let, if you'll permit me to do such a thing, um, yeah, just to change the flavor of it, because you obviously, you know, we can dive from Apple to Microsoft, and so I've used I use the Surface Pro Nine from about the middle of December all the way through. I'm still using it now, um, which kind of suggests what I might say about it: the fact that I'm still using it. Um, it's a surprisingly good, surprisingly good laptop replacement. Um, the 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 thing that really stands out is just how versatile it is because it will do so many different things it will be so many different things i used it mostly as a laptop so i had the the, the signature keyboard cover um which hides the pen inside it i didn't really use the pen very much except for testing uh, but as a as a keyboard i found that it worked really well you know a lot of these keyboards don't give you enough travel in the keys. You can't really type at any kind of speed. It's not, you know, it's only good for note taking. Um, but the Surface Pro Nine is is more than that. It is, it's great as a productive machine. It's a little bit thicker and heavier than most tablets that you might use, but you can pull it away from the keyboard and use it as a tablet. Use it with a pen if you want to, with the advantage of you're not of not messing around with a of a mobile operating system you know you can run all of your normal desktop apps and stuff like that so it's light and it's portable and it's versatile and it will basically do everything i mean it's obviously not um it's not the most advanced thing around and we still have this dilemma with the future of this type of product because the one that i had was the uh it's a 12th gen intel core i7 so fairly powerful but you do feel it heat up and you you can hear the fans like start running and stuff like that, which isn't something that you would get from, you know, the iPad Pro or something like that. You know, it's a, it's so it's a, it's a completely different, completely different ball game in that sense. And this um, this version of the Surface Pro 9 was also launched alongside uh, another version that's running on the ARM based platform, which has spun out of Qualcomm, which is much more like the kind of mobile uh, hardware that Apple is now using. I haven't tested that version, but I have a sneaking suspicion that this type of device will slowly move away from Intel. Unless something changes dramatically with Intel, I suspect that the future will be heading off in a different direction of hardware to give Microsoft the longer battery life and the lower power running and stuff that people are now becoming used to from things like iPad Pro. Um, I can't... There, there's... Because it does so many things, you know, you will find things that you don't like about it. You'll find things that you do like about it. But it's a very, very comprehensive device. It op opens up a range of opportunities. The thing that I love about it is it is, it's light. Uh, you know, the battery lasts for a good working day. You can chuck it in and out of your bag. It's been really versatile. People have raised questions like, oh, can you actually use that, you know, on your lap? And I was like, yeah, you can. And, the, and the, the crazy thing about it is the magnets are so strong that if you make the mistake and pick it up by the keyboard, you'll see the top half swing away and you'll think, no, it's going <laughs> to die. But it doesn't. It just stays there. Like once I, I sort of grabbed it by the keyboard and stood up and watched this, you know, grand and a half key like tablet side of it swinging around. So I thought it's going to go. This is it's going to be the end of it. And it was absolutely fine. So 
there's a lot there to be excited about. It's definitely something that's worth checking out. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, mine isn't a uh, computer at all. <laughs> mine, my, <laughs> my choice is the... Mine is the Sony DualSense Edge controller, which is the pro controller for PS5 users. Um, it's uh, Sony's first ever pro controller. They haven't released one before. They did do a really odd add-on that you clamp to the back of a DualShock for the PlayStation 4 that added a couple of flappy paddles, but this is a real, the real deal. And so real deal, it's like 200 bucks. It's 200 pounds. So, I mean, it's not cheap. Um, and so that's quite a hefty amount of money. If you're thinking of just upgrading your gaming experience and wanting to make your PlayStation gaming a little bit more professional, that's still a lot of money. Um, however, I've previously gone through so many DualSense controllers that it kind of makes sense. I've probably spent over £200 just replacing DualSense controllers anyway. Um, I find that the thumbsticks do kind of perish after a bit, especially if you play FIFA every day. Um, and because of that, they become very spongy, and, it, and sometimes you'll be pointing in the wrong direction when you don't want to be. What's great about the DualSense Edge is it comes with... Um, removable swappable thumbstick modules and you can buy separate ones for 20 pound 20 dollars a piece and you can actually completely replace them so the longevity of the controller would be much better than the existing dual sense i mean there are other features as well you've got four different profiles so you can set up for different types of games you can reassign every single button so for example if you um you want to have the fire button in a totally different place or the acceleration button in a totally different place, you can do that. Um, for me, again, with FIFA, you also get two um, holes on the rear, which you can either put in paddles or what they call half dome buttons. You clip those in and it gives you a little, a couple of extra buttons that are just below the grips. Um, what I like about offering you the choice, because there are rival pro controllers like the Scuff Reflex that already come with these kind of paddles on the rear. But what I found with those is that you all hit them quite often by accident and thereby enact whatever you've assigned those buttons to do um, without actually wanting to do that. So what I found is in, during a driving game, the paddles were great for upshifting and downshifting through gears. Whereas the half dome buttons are out are sufficiently out of the way of your grip so that you actually have to reach to pull them. So they're great for things like um, changing tactics in FIFA. So um, so I like the sort of customization of the of the product. There's also something called um, trigger travel, and you get three different settings per trigger that you can you can adjust so that the trigger travel isn't as much. Now you might think that it's just a completely of old nonsense but if you're playing a fast-paced shooter something like call of duty and um, the travel between pressing a trigger until it really makes that final action could if you shorten that you get faster response you get faster trigger figure and that could really make a difference doesn't to me i'm useless at cod so it, no controller you could give me a thousand pound controller and not make things better However, I can see why that would make a big difference. The one thing that I would say about the DualSense Edge, which wasn't as impressive as the rest of it, is that the battery life sucks. The, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, 
The it, for example, the existing dual sense would last around ten to twelve hours playing sort of like a game like FIFA where you're moving the thumbsticks a hell of a lot and pressing a lot of buttons very, very rapidly. The DualSense Edge only lasted me four hours. So, and then I had to recharge it again. Plus, on top of that, on the very tip of the controller, it's slightly wider than the existing controller. So if you have a third-party charging dock, it may not fit. Take that into account. Apart from that, it's brilliant, and I absolutely loved it. And that's my product of the week. And I think that's about it for the Pocketlim podcast. Thanks, Britta. Uh, pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure. And that's it for this episode of the Pocketlim podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And me. (laughs) So that's it for this podcast. Um, Please join us again next time when we'll bring you more on the latest tech news, top products, and a chat with someone in tech that's rather important and interesting, not just us. Until then, please give us your feedback on the Pocketlink socials or podcast platform of your choice. I've been Rick Henderson. Tatty bye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com